Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, May 14th. Shabbat Shalom. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count, that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot, or Pentecost. The giving of the Torah happened at Shavuot exactly 50 days after the children of Israel left Egypt. A few thousand years later, on the exact same day, Shavuot, Yeshua's followers gathered in the upper room for a prayer meeting. On Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out in great power with a mighty wind and tongues of flames. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year's Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sunset on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam asher kitshanu mitzvotav zivanu al-safirat ha-omer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad Laomer. Today is the 28th day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bred Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Emor, and it means... Say. Leviticus 24, 12 to 23. And he was placed in custody until the decision of Hashem should be made clear to them. And Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, Take the blasphemer outside the camp and let all who were within hearing lay their hands upon his head, and let the whole community stone him. And to Bnei Israel speak thus, Anyone who blasphemes his God shall bear his guilt. If he also pronounces the name Hashem, he shall be put to death. The whole community shall stone him, stranger or citizen. If he has thus pronounced the name, he shall be put to death. If anyone kills any human being, he shall be put to death. One who kills a beast shall make restitution for it, life for life. 
If any one maims his fellow, as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The injury he inflicted on another shall be inflicted on him. One who kills a beast shall make restitution for it, but one who kills a human being shall be put to death. You shall have one standard for stranger and citizen alike, for I, Hashem, am your God. Moses spoke thus to the Israelites, and they took the blasphemer outside the camp and pelted him with stones. The Israelites did as Hashem had commanded Moses. 1 Samuel 15, 1-16, 1-16-23 Samuel said to Saul, I am the one Hashem sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. Therefore listen to Hashem's command. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I am exacting the penalty for what Amalek did to Israel, for the assault he made upon them on the road and on their way up from Egypt. Now go, attack Amalek, and proscribe all that belongs to him. Spare no one, but kill alike men and women, infants and sucklings, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. Saul mustered the troops and enrolled them at Telaim, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Yehuda. Then Saul advanced as far as the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the wadi. Saul said to the Kenites, Come, withdraw at once from among the Amalekites, that I may not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they left Egypt. So the Kenites withdrew from among the Amalekites. Saul destroyed Amalek from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is close to Egypt. And he captured King Agag of Amalek alive. He proscribed all the people, putting them to the sword. But Saul and the troops spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the second-born, the lambs, and all else that was of value. They would not proscribe them. They proscribed only what was cheap and worthless. The word of Hashem then came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from me and has not carried out my commands. Samuel was distressed, and he entreated Hashem all night long. Early in the morning Samuel went to meet Saul. Samuel was told Saul went to Carmel, where he erected a monument for himself. Then he left and went on down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to Saul, Saul said to him, Blessed are you of Hashem, I have fulfilled Hashem's command. Then what? demanded Samuel, is this bleating of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul answered, They were brought from the Amalekites, for the troops spared the choicest of the sheep and oxen for sacrificing to Hashem your God. And we proscribed the rest. Samuel said to Saul, Stop, let me tell you what Hashem said to me last night. Speak, he replied. And Samuel said, You may look small to yourself, but you are the head of the tribes of Israel. Hashem anointed you king over Israel, 
and Hashem sent you on a mission saying, Go and proscribe the sinful Amalekites, make war on them until you have exterminated them. Why did you disobey Hashem and swoop down on the spoil in defiance of Hashem's will? Saul said to Samuel, But I did obey Hashem. I performed the mission on which Hashem sent me. I captured King Agag of Amalek, and I proscribed Amalek. And the troops took from the spoil some sheep and oxen, the best of what had been proscribed, to sacrifice to Hashem your God at Gilgal. But Samuel said, Does Hashem delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obedience to Hashem's command? Surely obedience is better than sacrifice, compliance than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, defiance, like the iniquity of teraphim. Because you rejected Hashem's command, He has rejected you as king. Saul said to Samuel, I did wrong to transgress Hashem's command and your instructions, but I was afraid of the troops and I yielded to them. Please, forgive my offenses and come back with me, and I will bow low to Hashem. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not go back with you, for you have rejected Hashem's command, and Hashem has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul seized the corner of his robe, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, Hashem has this day torn the kingship over Israel away from you, and has given it to another who is worthier than you. Moreover, the glory of Israel does not deceive or change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. But Saul pleaded, I did wrong. Please honor me in the presence of the elders of my people and in the presence of Israel, and come back with me until I have bowed low to Hashem your God. So Samuel followed Saul back, and Saul bowed low to Hashem. Samuel said, Bring forward to me King Agag of Amalek. Agag approached him with faltering steps, and Agag said, Ah, bitter death is at hand. Samuel said, As your sword has bereaved women, so shall your mother be bereaved among women. And Samuel cut Agag down before Hashem at Gilgal. Samuel then departed for Ramah, and Saul went up to his home at Giva of Shaul. Samuel never saw Saul again to the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul because Hashem regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And Hashem said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and set out. I am sending you to Yishai the Bethlehemite, for I have decided on one of his sons to be king. Samuel replied, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. Hashem answered, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to Hashem. Invite Yishai to the sacrificial feast, and then I will make known to you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I point out to you. Samuel did what Hashem commanded. When he came to Beth-Lechem, the elders of the city went out in alarm to meet him and said, Do you come on a peaceful errand? 
Yes, he replied, I have come to sacrifice to Hashem. Purify yourselves and join me in the sacrificial feast. He also instructed Yishai and his sons to purify themselves and invited them to the sacrificial feast. When they arrived and he saw Eliab, he thought, Surely Hashem's anointed stands before him. But Hashem said to Samuel, Pay no attention to his appearance or his stature, for I have rejected him. For not as man sees, does Hashem see. Man sees only what is visible, but Hashem sees into the heart. Then Yishai called Abinadab and had him pass before Samuel. But he said, Hashem has not chosen this one either. Next, Yishai presented Shammah, and again he said, Hashem has not chosen this one either. Thus Yishai presented seven of his sons before Samuel, and Samuel said to Yishai, Hashem has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked Yishai, Are these all the boys you have? He replied, There is still the youngest. He is tending the flock. And Samuel said to Yishai, Send someone to bring him, for we will not sit down to eat until he gets here. So they sent and brought him. He was ruddy-cheeked, bright-eyed, and handsome. And Hashem said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of Hashem gripped David from that day on. Samuel then set out for Ramah. Now the spirit of Hashem had departed from Shaul, and an evil spirit from Hashem began to terrify him. Saul's courtier said to him, An evil spirit of Hashem is terrifying you. Let our Lord give the order, and the courtiers in attendance on you will look for someone who is skilled at playing the lyre. Whenever the evil spirit of Hashem comes over you, he will play it, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his courtiers, Find me someone who can play well, and bring him to me. One of the attendants spoke up, I have observed a son of Yishai, the Bethlehemite, who is skilled in music. He is a stalwart fellow and a warrior, sensible in speech and handsome in appearance, and Hashem is with him. Whereupon Saul sent messengers to Yishai to say, Send me your son David, who is with the flock. Yishai took a donkey laden with bread, a skin of wine, and a kid, and sent them to Saul by his son David. So David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul took a strong liking to him and made him one of his arms bearers. Saul sent word to Yishai, Let David remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the evil spirit of Hashem came upon Saul, David would take the lyre and play it. Saul would find relief and feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. John 8, 1-20 Yeshua went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the Torah commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, tempting him, that they might have 
right to accuse him. But Yeshua stooped down with his finger writing on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Yeshua was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Yeshua had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those? Where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, No, my Lord. And Yeshua said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then spoke Yeshua again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear record of yourself. Your record is not true. Yeshua answered and said to them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and where I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and where I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bears witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. Then said they to him, Where is your father? Yeshua answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should know my father also. These words spoke Yeshua in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Psalm 110, 1-7 The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at your right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Proverbs 15, 8-10 The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him that follows after righteousness. Correction is grievous to him that forsakes the way, and he that hates reproof shall die. I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion, then we're going to jump into 1 Samuel 15, and then we're also going to jump into John chapter 8. And in Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, I want to clarify that verse, because in the Israel Bible, 
the scripture reads slightly differently than what it does in the King James. So I'd like to read what Leviticus 24 verse 16 says in the first in the Israel Bible and then in the King James, and then we'll talk about it. Let's start in verse 15. And B'nai Israel speaks thus, Anyone who blasphemes his God shall bear his guilt. Verse 16, If he also pronounces the name of Hashem, he shall be put to death. The whole community shall stone him, stranger or citizen. If he has thus pronounced the name, he shall be put to death. Now in the King James, Then you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin, and whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him, the stranger as well as him who is born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. There's a very big difference in those two different verses from those two different translations. Now understand this. In the Jewish culture, they never say the name Yahovah or Yahweh. It is the sacred name. And in a sense, what they do is they put a fence around it to guard it. And so instead of saying Yahweh or Yahovah, they say Hashem. And Hashem means the name. And so in the scripture from the Israel Bible, verse 16, it says, Anyone who pronounces the name of Hashem shall be put to death. And this is where they get that practice of never saying the name. But in the King James, it says, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. So it does not forbid saying the name. Now, I can understand and even respect this Jewish custom or culture, that if I'm going to go to Israel and I'm going to be around Orthodox Jews or ultra-Orthodox Jews, out of respect and honor, I will speak of God as Hashem because they are wanting to revere him and honor him and respect him and protect the name, which is sacred. yod is a sacred name. But the trouble with that is that over the centuries, the true name of God got lost. And as Christianity spread in the early church, first with the apostles and then you know, on down through the decades and the centuries, the name got lost. And in the translations that we have today, like King James, New King James, New American Standard, all those different translations, unless you have specific translations that preserve and actually show his name, his name became God or Lord or the Lord. And that's not really his name. His name has kind of been rediscovered just in the last 20 or 30 years as Yahweh. Or Yahovah, Yodhevavhe, the tetramogram. So it is true we are not to ever take his name in vain or to blaspheme the name of the Lord. But we also need to be careful that we don't say the name uh, to make it common or ordinary or take it flippantly, but we speak his name with reverence, honor. And respect. Okay, now I want to go on 
Oh, no, before I go on into 1 Samuel, one more verse here in Leviticus 24, verse 22. You shall have one standard for stranger and citizen alike, for I, Hashem, am your God. This is huge. This is a principle that basically says the entire Torah, all of the Bible, it is for both Jew and non-Jew alike. Now, there are some um, Jewish people that would say that we only have to uh, follow the Noahide laws. And there's, I think, seven of the Noahide laws, but that we don't have to follow all the rest of the Torah. We don't have to keep all of the Ten Commandments. We don't have to keep the feast. We don't have to keep the Shabbat. We're Gentiles, and so only the Noahide laws apply to us. This is blasphemy. That is not what Yeshua taught us. When he fed the 5,000 and there were 10 or 12 baskets of leftover fragments and there were two loaves of bread, and with those two loaves he fed the 5,000, he was giving them a prophetic message that the word of God, the five loaves and the two fish that fed the 5,000, the five loaves was the five first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah, and that the uh, two fish represents both northern kingdom and southern kingdom, the whole house of Israel, that all of the Torah is for all of the people, and that it's you don't distill it down to just the Noahide laws for the Gentiles. So that's what this verse, verse 22, is also saying. You shall have one standard for stranger and citizen alike. So when they came to Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments were given, they didn't say, okay, here's one set of laws for the Jewish people, and here's a different set of laws for the non-Jewish people. That's not what happened at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, you had all 12 tribes there, and it was a mixed multitude there. There were Egyptians in their midst and strangers who followed with them and said, I want to follow this God of Israel. So there's only one standard and one Torah for one people. Now let's go into 1 Samuel 15 and 16. And here we see Saul making some pretty big mistakes. And Amalek and the descendants of Amalek have been deep, deep enemies against Israel throughout all time. And God instructed Saul to destroy all of the Amalekites and to prescribe everything in the town to him, to preserve and save nothing, and that it all goes to the Lord. And Saul did not follow those instructions, and he allowed the king to live, and he took the best of the sheep and the oxen and and all of the booty and kept it. So he was disobedient. He was rebellious. So in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11, the Lord says this, I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from me and has not carried out my commands. Samuel was distressed, and he entreated Hashem all night long. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows, Saul's error of not completely eradicating the evil Amalek cost him his kingdom. Yet, King David's sin with Bathsheba does not have a similar result. 
In his book of the principles, Rabbi Yosef Elbo, a philosopher in 15th century Spain, notes that King David's sin, though grave, is a personal one. Therefore, this punishment only impacts him and his family. However, King Saul's transgression was of a national scope, impacting the future of the nation. In fact, the rabbis of the Midrash teach that the evil Haman, mentioned in the book of Esther, descends from Amalek's king Agag, whom Saul kept alive long enough to father a child. Thus, the punishment has to be one that impacts his rule over the whole nation. Continuing on, um, we see that Samuel confronts Saul and tells him that the kingdom is going to be taken away from him and that God has chosen another. And in verse 27 of chapter 15, as Samuel turned to leave, Saul seized the corner of his robe and it tore. Verse 28. And Samuel said to him, Hashem has this day torn the kingship over Israel away from you and has given it to another who is worthier than you. Verse 29. Moreover, the glory of Israel does not deceive or change his mind, for he is not human that he should change his mind. Okay, the Israel Bible commentary to that verse reads as follows. The glory of Israel does not deceive. When World War I broke out in 1914, many young Zionists perceived the crisis as an opportunity through which the political landscape of Palestine could be transformed to advance the dream of Jewish self-determination in their homeland. Sarah Aronson, one of the first generation of native-born Zionists, was born in 1890 in Zikron Yekov. When Aronson, at the helm, with Aronson at the helm, a young group of idealists formed a clandestine organization they called NILI, which was a Hebrew acronym based on the phrase in this verse, Netzach Yisrael Lo Yishikar, The Glory of Israel Does Not Deceive. NILI conducted espionage against the Ottoman authorities on behalf of the Allies. They hoped that with their assistance the British would come to power and reward the Jews with an independent state in Palestine. In 1917, however, the Turks discovered Sarah Aronson's espionage and arrested her. Despite interrogations and torture, she refused to disclose any information about NILI's efforts, taking her own life instead. She sacrificed her life for the millennia-old dream to promote the independence of the Jewish people. Sarah Aronson is remembered to this day as a national hero of Israel. So now, in the next chapter, chapter 16, Samuel is sent on a mission from the Lord to anoint the next king of Israel. And he goes to Yishai's home, and Yishai has a lot of sons. And each one of the sons stands before Samuel, and the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not the one. No, he's not the one. And then in verse 11 of chapter 16, Samuel asks Yishai, are these all the boys that you have? And he replied, there is still the youngest, 
He is tending the flock. And Samuel said to Yishai, Send someone to bring him, for we will not sit down to eat until he gets here. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Young David is not the only great leader of the children of Israel who was a shepherd before Hashem called him to a leadership role. For example, Moses was also a shepherd. Shepherds bear great responsibility for the flock as a whole, and also for each individual sheep. Each one must be cared for and must be counted as part of the flock for tithing. This is perfect training for leaders who must lead the nation as a whole and also maintain concern and compassion for each individual. Finally, the last thing I want to bring out from this chapter, David is chosen by Saul to come to him and enter into his service because Saul now has an evil spirit that buffets him and torments him. And he has heard through the grapevine that there's a young man who can play the harp or the lyre, and that whenever the harp or the lyre is played, this evil spirit would would uh, depart from Saul or make him feel better. So he summons David, and David is able to play the harp. And in verse 23 of chapter 16, whenever the evil spirit of Hashem came upon Saul, David would take the lyre and play it. And Saul would find relief and feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. That is a huge principle. That music, worship music, is warfare against the demonic realm. And when we enter into worship, when we sing, when we praise, when we listen to worship music, when we put music on in the home, it can cause demonic spirits to flee. And if you could actually see into the spirit world and watch and see the demon, then when you put the music on, it's like torment and torture to the demon and it puts the demon will put its hands over its ears and it will literally leave the home so this is a very important principle that if you're in a warfare situation if there's demonic activity going on in your home through one of the family members be it a rebellious teenager or an unsaved spouse or loved one um, if you know if they're packing some demons, put on the worship music and quietly pray. Go in your room, shut the door, and pray, and come against that demonic spirit. Uh, if you discern what that spirit is, it's good to cast it out by name. And often you can discern what kind of a spirit it is by the emotions associated or attached to it. So, is there anger in the home? You're dealing with the spirit of anger. Is there fear, anxiety going on in the home? You're dealing with the spirit of fear. Is there rage or wrath or hatred? Whatever it is, the emotions give you a huge indicator as to what demonic spirit you're dealing with. So put on the worship music and in particular, harp music that is worship unto God, not just secular harp music, but praise harp music uh, can really cleanse the atmosphere. 
Okay, I'm going to leave it at that and have a blessed day and we will see you tomorrow. Have a blessed day. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>